Hello, amazing people. Welcome to Living Room Worship. I know, guys, I missed last week. And there's a really good reason for it, um, a couple good reasons. One, um, the guest that I had had something come up and had to reschedule. And then, two, I was just worn out. I was just worn out um, for physical reasons. You know, I was busy all weekend trying to make Mother's Day epic for my mother and sister and my mother-in-law. So, uh, a special happy belated Mother's Day to all of the beautiful women who mother, whether naturally or spiritually. Um, I celebrated within my own right as a godmother and an auntie and one who just loves to love on people. And I really believe that's what moms do. So doing that and then just mentally exhausted from um, everything that's been going on in this country. Outside of COVID-19, we have been dealing with yet another uprising of um racism and murder um there's just there's so many things to unpack and as a woman of color as a black woman living in america married to a black man related to black people that i see and that i love and that i cherish and that i don't want to become victims of this senseless and evil brutality it was a lot to unpack. Um, I've gotten to the point where for most of my life, I've always been aware of racism. You know, it's it's custom in black homes to get the talk. It's custom in, I'm sure, many of, of people of color, um, minority races who have experienced some type of injustice or brutality. It's custom for them to have a talk. And I've been raised with those talks my entire life where I've learned about what not to do, what not to say, you know, not making any sudden movements, making sure that I um, represent myself in a certain manner so that I'm not categorized as a threat or, or as a suspect. And even if I do all of those things right, that there is still a opportunity for me to be categorized simply because of the color of my skin knowing that there are people out there who will hate me just because of what I look like and they don't even know me and it's disheartening guys and if it's something that you've never experienced in your own life if it's something that you don't understand if it's something that you subscribe to there really is there aren't really many words to really describe what it feels like to live in this society and experience these things and see faces that look like your face splattered across the news and is i'm just tired um i spent this week and this weekend really reflecting on what it means to be black in america today and this is all connected with, I'm sorry, I know I just like jumped right into the topic, but this is, it all goes into the explanation of why I missed out on last week. And I, again, I do apologize for that. I was just tired. You know, this is a really heavy load to carry in, in the midst of COVID-19 and more deaths that have happened, states reopening quickly. Um, maybe prematurely, in my opinion, people still getting sick, people still dying. And we're just living in a strange time. I keep saying that, but it just continues to get even more strange. So 
another heavy episode but hopefully we'll have some some lightness in there i have a special guest i'm bringing back my pastor sam hamstra of anthem church we are officially anthem church no longer becoming anthem so really excited about that unfortunately we haven't had you know a service where we're like all together in the building yet but um online service has been awesome so if you're looking for a place definitely you know let me know i can invite you on facebook or youtube or you can visit weareanthemchurch.com um but you know i just want to bring him on and just talk about the things that have been going on and, and the response uh from the church and the response from his perspective as a white male who is the pastor of a multicultural church and who has a biracial son and different things like that because these are these are things that we have to talk about you know we've gotten to i think we've been been at this point but we've gotten to the point now where we really need to discuss what's going on and stop acting like it's not there so what does that have to do with living room worship well if you are new to the show or if you've been here since the beginning living room worship is a podcast dedicated to real life to everything that goes on in the living room of our lives and how we pursue faith in the midst of it and I believe that God cares about our concerns the Bible says that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us and so these are the matters of our hearts these are issues that are going on and I believe that it is our duty to talk about them in the midst of everything that's going on and find how we can find faith how we can pursue christ in the middle of racism how we can pursue christ in the middle of sickness that seems to be completely out of control so welcome to living room worship i hope that you are safe at home and enjoying this wonderful monday evening and i am going to bring on our guest the next voice that you will hear aside from mine is sam hamstra all right (laughs) All right, so Pastor Sam Hamster, welcome back to Living Room Worship. It is an honor to be back on, Crystal. I, I love your love your podcast. Thank you so much. We definitely appreciate my my listeners definitely appreciate it. The last time you were on talking about stress over the holidays, so I'm grateful that you can uh, you can come back. How are things going? Everything, you know, I've been taking things day by day, but overall, can't complain. Family's healthy still have jobs, um, homeschool's going well for our son. So overall, things have been good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's definitely a strange time. And speaking of that, I really wanted to get your perspective. Um, <clears throat> being a church leader, I'm sure has been interesting during this whole pandemic. You know, the the Bible talks about how we should not be afraid. I think that's one of the most used phrases outside of, I mean, inside of scripture, um, Old Testament and New Testament, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And then you are dropped dead smack in the middle of a pandemic, which the very meaning of that is surrounded by fear. Right. <laughs> so, like, so like, what, what has that been like for you as um, a pastor? So I think we've been in a pretty interesting situation. I, I know everybody has been. Uh, I think we, we had a little bit added on top of this is that we started uh, we became a new church, um, transitioned into being a new organization right when the pandemic really started. And so we've actually been a new church um, and never held a physical church service. And so yeah. it's been a uh, it's been an adventure, but have learned a whole lot um, and definitely have seen just the hand of God through so many different things. 
And so I think, you know, really been trying to just lead day by day um, and, and seeing what that looks like. We're now to the point where we're able to plan a little bit out in the future. But, you know, for the last eight weeks, it's really been, okay, day to day, what does this look like? What are we doing now? So it's, it's been an adventure. That is for sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a great and positive way to, <laughs> to look at it. It has been an adventure. Um, but I, I really do believe that God has been faithful. And, you know, I've been excited to see how things have been unfolding, particularly for Anthem Church. I'm definitely missing um, actually being around my friends and family from church um, and being involved in ministry. It's been tough being away, but I'm, I'm really proud of you guys for how you've been sticking it out and, um, you know, making resources available for people right in the comfort of their home, in the safety of their home. So thank, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so how do you think this will this will affect, you know, quote unquote, doing church going forward? Yeah, that is a great question. This is something that we've been talking about a lot is just leadership teams and staff. Uh, the way that we're looking at things right now, um, for, for us, it, it was in the beginning of this, we were pretty, uh, we, we had been like doing digital church for a while, I guess, just not to the extent we're doing it now. So we actually started streaming our services live from um, one of our members, Gerard Terrell's phone four or five years ago and kind of it built up mm -hmm. a system over time. So uh, we had already been online um, doing live services and everything and seeing the benefit of that. We already had online giving, things like that. I think the biggest thing we're looking at moving ahead is how um, really what we're seeing is, is that when you do online well, and I'm not saying we're doing it well, I think, you know, we've been doing an okay job at it. But when we look at it, what we're seeing is just how big and how much easier it is sometimes to reach people when you just don't focus on who's already in your building. So, for example, we just had somebody from L.A. join Anthem Church in Hammond, Indiana. And so that's wow. just not something we would have ever thought about, you know, before. But um, I think what it's really expanded our mind to the power. And this sounds so weird to say now, but the power of the Internet, you know, like every every mm -hmm. Sunday we're seeing, I think, you know, so far over the last eight weeks, we've seen in our context, you know, 25, 30 different states from people joining in uh, four or five different countries and so really the ability to get the word out is just so magnified on the internet so it's been cool for us as we move ahead what we're trying to do is really um, think of Sunday mornings as an online studio where we have a live audience and we're broadcasting out from Hammond Indiana so we're trying to think a little bigger that way um, and how we're building services and things and then also building everything where it is online as well as physical so we're going to continue with the online digital groups um online membership and, and everything like that i think we've just seen how convenient it is to be holding zoom meetings rather than driving um sometimes so that's been uh, definitely a great learning curve for us on that interesting no I, I definitely agree i actually had to take one of my writing classes through zoom we moved everything from in a building to online and 
I mean, definitely the convenience of not driving was awesome because uh, I had to take class all the way in a West Loop. But um, I missed, I don't know, it's just something about being in person that I appreciate when it's convenient, when I can, you know, obviously the person who's in LA, shout out to our LA member. Yeah, <laughs> right, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that they'll be taking flights to get to Disney. Well, you know, it's interesting, Crystal. I found, you know, I know you, so I know you're probably one of the more extroverted people I know. Um, and so I think on the flip side, talking to introverts, I'm kind of like a mix in the middle is I found introverts actually have really enjoyed this season of church. And so I actually would be curious to see, um, how many kind of make online church a more of their rhythm in life. So I think they'll come once in a while, but also be worshiping online. I just found, um, some, some introverts I think have really just loved online church cause there's no pressure in the awkward uh, greeting times that we love because we're extroverted, but they kind of like, why do we have to hug each other? I don't know. You so you know, it's so funny <laughs> that you say that because I'm actually very introverted. Like I'm, I'm a homebody. Wow. I love being at home. However, I don't know what it is about being around Anthem people that just makes you want to like <laughs> hug people and go say hello. I miss that. Like it has been really difficult to be really fully engaged because I miss like the camaraderie and a family feel. I think I told you when uh, Sam and I first started coming to your church that it was the first time that I felt like I was at home in over a decade. And um, that was huge for me because for a long time, I felt like a nomad in church. I had said that to a few different people because I've been going around to different ministries trying to find my place trying to find a place that I, I didn't feel like just a number and that's hard to do. You know, sometimes pastors get really ambitious and I'm not, I'm not knocking ambition. You know, there's definitely a place for it, but I think sometimes the vision becomes so big that they forget about the mission and, you know, you become a number in a seat rather than an actual person inside of a community and it was it was so refreshing to go to a ministry and feel seen and heard but then also be fed regularly you know it's not just like a social club but it's also you know a place where I can grow I'm still growing you know we've been there for coming up two years I think and I'm still fed every single week I don't feel bored I don't feel like I'm lacking anything and it's caused me to kind of break out of my shell a little bit because I was definitely one of those people like why do we have to hug or I'm not high-fiving my neighbor you know <laughs> love it <laughs> I miss that aspect even and as an introvert I really do miss that aspect so um, you know, once things are, are a little settled down, I definitely look forward to coming back, um, you know, when it's safe and a, and a good decision to do that. But I do miss that part as well. That's good. So, yeah. Um, actually, interesting question that just kind of popped up. Um, so when it comes to you, you know, you were talking about how like evangelism is a lot easier now um, on a it's more convenient, I should say, on an online platform. Do you think that at large, at large, as the church body, this is um, the way that we'll, we'll do church, you know, will be different from the aspect of like, it's not so much about the building, but just being the church. Like, do you think this pandemic will cause an effect on that where we'll be more focused on being the church every day instead of going to church every Sunday? Uh, I think it will shift a few. Um, I don't think, I think, not a few, I think a percentage 
will shift and I think some won't ever shift and they'll stay kind of status quo. And I'm not a morbid person, but I think recent statistics actually show that 20 to 25% of churches might not make it out of this, which I mm. actually, it's sad, but I also think that it's just a sign that they never wanted to change in the first place. And so mm. um, I think they're the churches that really are pressing in um, to um, what could be, I think we'll see a shift. And then I think there's going to be just a return to status quo for a lot of people. Um, I know I could speak to, to us. Um, I found just, I haven't had a chance to talk about this, so this is a good question. Um, I found just watching different churches, you know, religion doesn't really translate on the internet. And so hmm. I found like, you know, gospel centric churches that preach Jesus, um, in relationship with Christ, they're the ones that you see actually people attending on a Sunday morning. Um, as far as online church goes, that's like larger than like 12 people, right? On a stream. Um, yeah. But the, the religious entities that have focused on some different rules and regulations, I think by and large have had a hard time shifting into a digital age because religion doesn't translate through a computer screen. And so I, I, for us, I could speak to that. I, I think it's just really renewed a passion for me just on the, the simple power of the gospel that Jesus died for us and freed us to live a life for him and that we're not saved just to be saved. He saved us to send us into where he placed us. And so, yeah, I hope that we see the church just really um, pruned and coming out of this, ready to be fruitful and on fire for mission. Um, and I'm, I'm excited what that could look like moving forward. Yeah. Well, that's that's an excellent perception of it. Um, as you know, I do have um, relationships with a lot of different local ministries in the Chicagoland area. And one of them is a Catholic church that I've been serving at for a couple years now. Every now and then the priest there wanted to incorporate some more contemporary worship to try to liven things up a bit in their traditional mass. And I haven't been in a while. I was scheduled for a few Sundays in March. Um, but I haven't been in a while because they haven't been having mm -hmm. services, um, you know, just because it just doesn't work for the way that they do their mass. And they, I think the Bishop of the Catholic church has been hosting a mass once a week on like a Sunday on television or something like that. And so it's, it's interesting just to see the dynamics of like a, a ritual heavy, um, ministry versus, a ministry that just kind of focuses solely on, um, you know, relationship with Jesus and just the different things that you can do and inviting technology, just kind of breaking the status quo and the norm. So that'll be interesting to see going yes. forward, um, you know, how pastors will adapt to that and uh, just the scope of, of church in general. Um, I do feel like it'll serve as like a, a amplifier for what more progressive churches have already been mm -hmm. doing. Um, and I think that's, that's being proven now where like, for example, there aren't a lot of things that we've been doing differently outside of, you know, not having like a full choir, or like, you know, um, you know, the praise dancers or, you know, greeters at the door, different things like that. But we've still been having worship. We still have a word. We still, you know, have our time of giving. We still have people greeting and, and um, conversing with one another through the chats and different things like that. So it's just kind of amplified now because instead of, you know, having a few hundred people at a time inside of the building, you have 2000 people watching online. Yeah. 
at one time, which is yeah, pretty it's pretty cool. amazing. And uh, yeah, I think I found too just on this whole conversation because I find this really an interesting subject. I don't know if anybody else will as much as we do, but uh, <laughs> I find it uh, very interesting. Uh, people like. I don't think in our generation, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, but we're the same generation. Um, there's very few places that I'll visit without checking you out online first. And there's, it's yeah. no different in a church. And so I think one thing that I've taken away is like just making sure what you present on the internet is close to what people are going to experience in the building. And it actually should over time build your in-person community if you have a good online presence because nobody really goes into something for the first time without watching it first these days yeah and, i mean that's with anything i don't buy anything on amazon unless i'm reading yes good exactly you want to see what other people have to say you want to taste it you want to yeah. touch it you know and even what that looks like through the internet so um yeah i i my prayer is that some some other people would get on board with that as far as this is um this isn't like a um, a, a mission issue. It's a methodology. And if we're not embracing the internet, we're about 40 years behind. Right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Good, good questions though. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. That translates in so many different ways. Uh, we don't have time to get into that, but I literally have been talking about that with business owners. Cause I get some calls from people who refuse to order online and they're like, I don't do internet. And I'm like, well, I bet you do. Now. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't have a choice. <laughs> There's no choice. There's no choice. Right. So. But um, so before we kind of switch gears here, I do have one other question. So as a pastor, you are definitely one of the people that people look to for guidance, for some semblance of, of wisdom or encouragement. And I know um, it has probably been a little overwhelming with all of the people that have been experiencing sickness and deaths. Um, I personally have had probably about six people that I know who have passed away from this virus in the last six weeks or so. And it's been really difficult to process that and to deal with it. So what uh, encouragement or, you know, what have you been able to say to people that have been dealing with loss, whether it's loss of jobs or loss of loved ones, um, you know, loss of health within mm -hmm. this pandemic? You know, we, we've really been rallying uh, personally around this uh, rally cry of when the world gets darker and darker, the light of Jesus shines brighter and brighter. And mm -hmm. to me, um, in, in, I feel like this whole pandemic has really put us in touch with our humanness as far as showing just how short life is, how this is not the end and why a hope in Christ and something is something so powerful because we as believers understand that this is not it. It's just a, a foretaste of what's ahead. And really for me, just uh, taking a step back and probably evaluating in our lives, you know, a lot of things maybe that have been a little misguided that we can kind of um, reset and get back on mission in life a little bit. You know, the, the important things, relationship and um, spending time with people and family and family dinners. And then for, for people, you know, on the worst end that have lost their life, um, really just embracing um, the truth that heaven is real. And if you're a believer, um, that the word of God says better is one day in his uh, house than a thousand elsewhere. And if we believe that's true, 
just how what lies ahead is going to be so much greater. And this is something we won't have to deal with on the other side of glory. And to, to me, it's just been such a fresh reminder. I think it was Moses talked about, teach us to number our days so that we gain a heart of wisdom. And really for mm-hmm. us as believers to kind of take that and like think, just remember our days on earth are short and what are we doing to make an impact for those we love. And at the end of time, the only thing that really matters is number one, have you lived your life for Christ? And secondly, who, who are you bringing with you in this journey? Because heaven is real and, um, you know, eternity is real. And so that's been the hope that I've been hanging on to just how short life is. It sounds morbid but on the flip side of that just how heaven is real we'll be reunited it's not um, a goodbye it's a see you later and that is the hope of christ Mm -hmm. Um, and i I think jesus is just uh, shine so bright in the season i've actually it's been interesting just how many non-christians i know that have been open to uh the good news of jesus over the last eight weeks it's been really amazing and powerful to see just hearts being opened on the flip side yeah, that's um one of the good things that I can say. I've been appreciative of this time. People have been more open to hearing about Jesus and about a source of hope because they're realizing that, you know, if you haven't learned anything throughout this pandemic, it's that we don't have control. You know, we think we do, but we really don't. And I think sometimes something as big and, you know, magnificent as this whole thing to really turn an entire world upside down and have people like just not have control, not have answers. You know, it makes you really think, okay, where can I really put my treasure? You know, where my heart is, where, where do I need to put it in? It can't be in money because money isn't getting me out of this. Can't be in toilet paper. Right. (laughs) Amen. You know, um, so no, I, I definitely um, agree, and and I I take solace in that as well. Um, and I think that for me, like I've been working on um, a documentary about the quarantine and how it's been impacting specifically those in a in an artistic uh, industry. You know, as a as an actress and a singer, you know, we our industry has been hit pretty hard because we thrive off live events and production where you have to have, you know, several people around. And one of the things that I've been kind of meditating on throughout this whole thing, like, you know, what if this is the end? What if this is how the world ends? Can I be satisfied with the life that I'm living? And I can thankfully say yes. I can thankfully say that if today was my last day, I would be satisfied with the legacy that I'm leaving behind. And um, just totally grateful for the way God has, you know, been using me through the years and the growth that I've been able to see and the things that I'll be able to leave behind. I know that I'll be able to, you know, point people to Christ, even if this was my last day. So I'm grateful. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. So I want to shift gears really quickly um, while we're kind of wrapping things up. Um, We've talked kind of briefly on Facebook about this, and I've talked to Pastor Taylor as well. Um, But there's no secret that this country has definitely still been showing and rearing its very ugly and unsightly uh, head of racism. And it's so interesting being a person of color, seeing this unfold in the middle of a pandemic that also seems to have a little bit of um, race race racial um lacing if you will uh, it's it's interesting just the conversations that happen in my circles as a person of color and how 
I, I can't say for sure that I believe that this pandemic is racially charged, but I will say that I am seeing a difference um, as media runs with this idea, this ideology of the pandemic targeting Black people, um, just with how we are experiencing it. But more than that, you know, the story of this young man who was in Georgia and who was gunned down by two um, citizens of that area while he was jogging because he fit this description. And this is certainly not the only time that we've heard stories like this where unarmed, unarmed Black men and women have been gunned down um, either by police or by people that were feeling like they needed to be vigilantes or something like that. So uh, the first question that I want to ask, just purely for um, understanding, do you identify as white or Caucasian? Um, I, I think they're the same thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just wanted to ask because I feel like as a black person, I know that it's seemingly considered politically correct, quote unquote, to be African-American. I don't get offended if it's black or African-American. I, you know, it's it's interchangeable for me, but I didn't know if it was like a technical thing um, among other races or anything like that. <laughs> That's a good question. I guess I've never thought about it. I would probably feel strange if somebody. Yeah, I, I think it's more standard to definitely say white. If somebody's like, you're a Caucasian. Yeah. It might feel a little strange. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause I've always wondered, I'm like, okay, I get African-American cause they're like, okay, black people originally come from Africa. Black people come from more than right. Africa, but okay. Um, but it's also, I'm like, I always think my analytical mind is like, okay, so do white people come from Caucasia? Is that a place? Like what's, what's going nice. on with that? So just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, but so you have a very unique perspective as a white male, a pastor of a multicultural church and father of a biracial male. So how do you digest the racial injustice happening in America? Hmm. And and when you say digest, can you uh, clarify a little bit? So, so like when you are taking in this news, you're seeing things pop up on your timeline, you're seeing things pop up and, you know, if you get news sent to your phone or different things like that, and you're looking at it for, from a perspective of a white male who is spiritually responsible for a multicultural church and personally responsible for a child who may endure the same injustices as he grows up. Yeah, I think, um, I would say my heart breaks you know, at, at just the core level, uh, along with most people, right, who see something like this, it's loss of human life. And then in, in addition to that, you see, um, you, it's hard not to see, you know, your son in that, right? So for us, you know, yeah, we have a, a biracial son. Um, and so we also, at one point, fostered an African-American child. And so yeah, our, our perspective is probably a little different. Um, for, for me, it's really easy to see um, and feel the pain there. I, I think, um, so like just on the front end, that's where like my, my heart was breaking the last few weeks. Just um, I had unplugged from the news for a while and I started getting texts and messages. And so I um, looked into the story and, and it just was heartbreaking to see. And then also on the flip side, seeing, um, just people that are so driven by hate 
and it, that, that's heartbreaking on the complete other side that people, uh, you hate to say in today's world, because this is probably go on forever, but it's just to be so driven by hate for somebody just because of the color of their skin is just, it, it breaks my heart. As a black person, I was raised with this idea it's it's interesting my upbringing like so as a black person everyone gets the talk you get the talk of the injustices that you're going to face that's just a part of our culture um at some point your parents sit you down and they tell you about the history of slavery and prejudice and then they teach you about how it's still well and alive and then they teach you about things that are acceptable to say and to do and things that are not acceptable to say and to do and how you have to be careful and cautious um, and so dealing with that and trying to maneuver through it and still be this person that is so full of faith and hope and joy and love is, it's, it's a, a task. task. And, and so, so I think I that I've, I've done a pretty good job of trying to hold on to that innocence of believing, um, the best of people before I believe the worst of people mm-hmm. over the years, um, I believe in one race. I believe in a human race. I am not naive enough to think that racism doesn't exist or that race isn't something to be celebrated as far as our differences and our cultures um, are concerned. But I do believe first and foremost in human race and that God created us to be the human race. And so I try to cling to that. And it is definitely disheartening and completely disappointing to see people motivated by a hatred that doesn't even make sense. It's just not even something that um, fits in God's design for earth and what humanity should be like. Um, So I I echo that. So what do you think we should be doing as a church in response to racism? And have we not been doing enough all along? Yeah, you know, we started some conversations. Uh, um, I started this conversation with our staff and, uh, you know, for, for us, you know, one of our things that makes us pretty unique is we're a multi-ethnic church in a suburb, right? So um, what, what the name Anthem came from is, um, you know, when we all come together, our lives are an anthem unto God. And so this is like very much a part of a heartbeat. Um, I feel like one thing that we can be doing and continue to do is having conversations I think, you know, like sound bites are one thing, but also like when you actually get to know somebody, that's been the one thing in my life that has really helped me uh, process a lot of things is like, it's just really easy to look past things. Um, But when you know somebody, it makes you pause and actually ask more questions. So I think is a church hosting some kind of conversation. Um, I, I think just increased awareness for people. Uh, talking about it. Um, one one thing that we've been fighting hard for behind the scenes that we should probably start talking about more is just drawing this line between the difference between politics and justice. Um, mm. I personally, I have no interest in getting involved in politics. And I actually feel like that's a reason why some people don't say something because the conversation goes political. However, in a situation um, like just happened, politics had nothing to do with this. This was a straight justice, the heart of God, right? God loves justice. And so for me, really folks on the justice of God, that that um, we have a role to play 
um, in this as well and, and what that looks like. And so I, I think people even understanding what justice is and what it means and um, the separation between politics and justice and really how God's heart is a heart of justice. And so I think even um, teaching people more on that, I think open conversations, I think stuff like this with uh, white and black people and Hispanic people getting on calls and actually talking about things and in an environment where there's no questions that are off the table. I think sometimes people say stuff, um, you know, I make jokes out of this now just because, you know, some people might listen to this who don't know who I am, but uh, you know, I'm out for you. yeah, thank you. You know, like I, I obviously know it's an ignorant thing for a white man to go up to a black woman and say, let me touch your hair. But, you know, like for me, I just have been around enough now where I know you're not supposed to say it. So I just say it because I think it's funny, yeah. you know, so but like just having relationship at a level deep enough where you can actually ask questions, right? Like where it's like, hey, how, how do you feel about this? What what can we do differently? And so I, to me, like a lot of this stuff starts with conversations that build relationships. Yeah, that's actually the, the next question. The last question that I was going to ask is, you know, how we begin to have those real and raw conversations. And I think something that you said was really important, you know, having these conversations in an open forum where, you know, nothing is off the table. Because I think you have a, a mix between people who refuse to acknowledge its existence people who don't want to be exposed because they know that they're on the wrong side of the issue and then people who are just too afraid of what the responses may be and i think the only way that we can really break down these things i don't i don't know if it was you who said it i'm sure a lot of people have said it but you know for in order for real healing to take place things have to be exposed you know wounds don't heal by being covered up they heal by being exposed and cleansed and tended to. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that our country is long overdue um, in, in regards to this particular issue. And I think, um, <clears throat> I think it's been really beneficial to see so many um, white people in my circle, especially pastors, speak out against this um, brutality that has been put on display um, I don't think I just want to say this because I don't think that it's said enough just how invaluable the support and advocacy is. I've been a kind of person where I try to monitor what I post on my social media. Like, you know, if there's a lot at some point, especially during COVID-19, there was just death after death after death. And I'm like, OK, I'm only going to share maybe two post tops about this today. And then that's it. The rest of it is going to be something funny or encouraging because, you know, I'm just getting over inundated with it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I normally have done that in the past with issues like this because it's just been too heartbreaking. It's, it's not been because I don't see it. It's not been because I feel like if I just ignore it, then it'll go away. It's been because it's been so difficult to deal with it. It's been so difficult to, to witness it, to see it. But I feel it's so necessary now to expose it every time I see it, because what I've been posting, we are human beings. Right. And as a human being, as a black human being, as a Christian human being, it's our duty to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. That's scripture. Jesus tells us to uh, again and again throughout scripture 
to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. That's that's basically Jesus in a nutshell. He's an advocate, you know, and, and he comes and he he serves those who can't help themselves. And um, it's just it's such an invaluable treasure to have a pastor and a friend who is able to do that um, for the people in his life, the people that you may not even know that you're that you're really touching, like our new member from California or, you know, someone who's watching right now from Bangladesh. You're just like, man, you know, I really feel um, supported by this person that I've never met. So, you know, I would like to personally thank you and Pastor Taylor for your leadership in, in times like these. It's been really a blessing. Yeah, thank you. Our pleasure for real. Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that. So um, I want to thank you for coming back on to Living Room Worship. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, looking forward to having you again and again in the future times. Um, anything else you want to share with the people before we go? No, super grateful for you guys. And uh, thanks for the opportunity, Crystal. And uh, you are a blessing. Thank you. Thank you so much, as are you. Well, friends, it has been an awesome privilege to have you here in Living Room Worship. And I just want to thanks, uh, say thanks again to Pastor Sam for being a part of uh, this episode. If you do not have a local church that you're connected to or a church online that you're connected to, please definitely visit weareanthemchurch.com. It's an awesome ministry with awesome people. And until next time, I love you guys. We're praying for your strength, for your wisdom, for your health, for your prosperity, and that God will just continue to keep you in everything that you do. In Jesus' name, love you guys. Talk to you soon.